Hi, Michael here, and I'm back to break down episode eight of Lego Masters on my podcast, Talk Bricks Masters, which is the only Lego Masters podcast where every take we have is a hole in one. I can't wait to break down this episode with some former Lego Masters contestants, just like I break down all the Lego news weekly on my YouTube channel, Talk Bricks. And coming up next in your podcast feed, we'll have an exit interview with the team that went home this week and even more coverage because next week there's actually going to be two episodes. So there's going to be a lot to break down. I have to figure out everyone's schedules at Thanksgiving, but we've got a lot in store for you. So be sure to subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on any of that. And with all that out of the way, let's jump into the breakdown. Well, this may have been a mini golf themed episode, but there's nothing mini about the amazing panel I've got here to break the episode down. Making his podcast return from season two, we have Modo. Say hello to everyone on the podcast. Hello, everyone listening at home. And thank you so much, Michael, for having me here. I just love uh, talking about these episodes with you. And you're such a gracious host. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Listen, if I don't invite you to the podcast, I don't talk to anyone else. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but also making his podcast reappearance uh, for his second breakdown here in the season, also from season two, finalist Caleb Schilling. Say hello to everyone. Hey, everyone. Good to be back. Excited to break down this episode. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah, so like I was saying, there's nothing mini about this panel, but there's also nothing mini about this episode. I feel like, um, you know, going into it, I feel like I knew what I would be getting, but I got so much more. I was on the edge of my seat basically the entire time. Caleb, what was your takeaway, just high level takeaway of the episode? This was a super fun challenge. I said it in the last podcast I was in, but I really love the original ideas they've been coming up with this year. This is something that plays out so well on TV. Uh, they want you to build big for this episode, and we definitely saw some big builds. Uh, yeah, it was it was just a great idea. So lively, energetic, um, and just was perfect for the show, I think. For sure, for sure. And and Will had a, a ball of a time, let's say. Uh, but <laughs> Moto, what was your takeaway from the episode? Well, I had seen this uh, challenge run on a different international version of Lego Masters, and I really uh, was never able to watch it. So I wanted to see what the US version had in store. And, and it really delivered. Um, you know, my first thought was it's it's a GBC. It's a golf ball challenge. So if you <laughs> if you switch the G from great ball contraption to golf ball contraption, um, that's kind of I think the 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 unique Lego Masters twist on something that if you go to these Lego conventions and see these modules running um, was kind of conceptually that that blown up um, you know extreme version of that that kind of concept. Yeah, and, and, and for the uninitiated, you know, when you go to these Lego conventions, one of the staples is the GBC, the Great Ball Contraption, which essentially is like all these automated modules where balls get passed from module to module endlessly in a loop, and it's really intoxicating to watch if you ever get a chance. But yeah, so this mini golf was a mini version of that, you could argue. But yes, this was a really fun one. You know, just to kick off the episode, you know, the the doors emerge, you know, are open up and our teams emerge and they see the mini golf course. There's that sign that says Lego Mini Masters. Um, you know, obviously Masters being a fun golf pun. And, you know, Will calls four and he comes in blazing on a golf a golf cart. Um, and Will definitely, I think, made a meal out of all of the puns and all the everything this episode with the mini golf. Uh, but, you know, this week he said, you're going to have to build me my own mini golf course. We have seven mini putting greens to transform into the ultimate mini golf course with big, intimidating, eye-catching obstacles that are totally playable and, of course, include movement, of course. 
Um, and the other thing is, he said, when I hit a ball into your obstacle, whatever you build must propel it in a really fun way from one side of the green to the other. And there was definitely a lot of rules. I sort of feel like as the challenge was described, like more rules emerged. But, you know, Moto, just taking, a, you know, this initial premise uh, right off the bat, you know, what did you think of the premise of this challenge as a former contestant? And it, would this have been a challenge you would have liked to take on? I, I think I would have been interested and I think I would have liked to have done it. Um, I've I realized only halfway through the show that I had to rewind it because I got, you know, my own concept incorrect. And I think and I think the criteria was really critical when we talk about the movement must propel the ball in a really fun way, propel. So originally I was like, why don't we just do a Don Quixote windmill that would block the ball? But but that miniature golf course concept wouldn't work because it doesn't. Pro so, so that's why I was talking about like a GBC concept of whatever you build has to move the ball from some position to another position rather than just being this passive um, trap or, or blocking mechanism. So so that for me uh, would have tripped me up. I, I actually didn't catch it until I was maybe 30 minutes in. <laughs> and I'm like, why isn't anybody building, you know, windmills or blocking or and then I rewound and realized that I'd missed that 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 crucial criteria that was built into this challenge. Yes. Well, and like I said, the criteria went on. Jamie said, this is your first interactive challenge. We're going to be judging you on how fun it is to play your hole, how you use power functions and how you use the golf ball as a trigger for storytelling. Amy went on to say, we're looking for your golf hole to be both fun and challenging. So think about traps, surprise reveals, and of course, how the ball moves through the course. So to your point, it's a lot about that movement. So I kept thinking to myself, look at how much they're balancing. It has to be fun. It has to have a theme. It has to have power functions. It has to be playable and enjoyable. It has to be, I mean, like so many things. <laughs> I was like, just stop talking so they, they can have one less thing to focus on, uh, you know, and storytelling to boot. So Caleb, what was your takeaway? Because I feel like there was a lot going into this one. Yeah. And then on top of it, they say, oh, you only have nine hours to build this one, uh, which is always a terrifying number. Anything under double digits is a very short challenge on lego masters um, yes. so i i have to imagine that this one there's a lot of rules that we didn't get to hear about too because i think of simpler challenges that took place on our season moto and there was just a list of rules uh, this is fairly complex um and it's insane uh and i love the way that we're going to see these teams approach those very strict criteria very creatively yep. though yes well and to your point like they probably had to have, you know, two, at least two moving functions. Mm -hmm. They probably had to have like at least one, you know, this type of obstacle or whatever. I mean, because to your point, a lot of the, the, the teams seem to have these multiple components. So it definitely felt to me like there was some secondary criteria that we didn't get to hear about. But like I said, on top of the primary criteria, this was a lot. And nine hours, uh, as a reminder, this is only the second, uh, this is the second less, uh, least amount of time they had. They had an eight hour challenge previously, but this is just one hour above the, the least amount of time they've ever had. And whenever it comes to power functions, which, you know, as we've come to learn from all these seasons, nobody seems to have quite enough experience with, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a huge tall order. And I think that the other like sort of implied criteria is it has to be playable and not break down when a ball hits it or, you know, whatever it is. So I think there is at least some amount of a strength component to this that is just um, it's a factor you don't normally have to think about because 
you know, are, you know, is he going to putt or is Will going to just smack it and break your whole build? You know, Will's a, Will's a, Will's a ham, you know, you never know what he's going to do. So yes, this was definitely, uh, I think a very, very tall order. Um, but one other thing that we got in, into the challenge, just it was further in the build phase, but I never know exactly when to throw these twists in was there was something else on the line in this challenge. No, <laughs> not a golden brick. No, not 90,000 bricks like last challenge, but the Lego Mini Masters jacket is at stake. Uh, so this was a uh, a glorious, you know, prize at the Masters. Of course, you win that glorious green jacket. I, I, I think of Happy Gilmore and how important the jacket was, uh, you know, so uh, so much was on the line, you know, beyond all the criteria. But why don't we jump into the episode itself and talk about some of those challenges that the teams face? And the first one I wanted to jump into was Dave and Emily, because, you know, as a as a brother, Caleb, I feel like we need your take on this. You know, one thing that we heard from them was that, uh, you know, the, t- uh, Emily says today is a lesson in patience because, you know, as a brother and sister team, they've now been together for weeks, you know, especially as older, you know, brothers and sisters, they probably don't spend this kind of time quality, you could say, time together. So what do you think is going through Dave and Emily's mind, you know, having been through it with your brother, you know, how how much do you guys get on each other's nerves, I have to imagine? You know, I I look back on the journey that my brother and I went through on the show. And, you know, it was a very rocky start. It was a very rocky start for a lot of people. Um, But I can tell that they're they're coming into their own here. I've noticed too over the last few episodes, Dave's energy level fluctuates. Um, but Dave came into this episode from the start with some high energy, which was really good to see because that's what you need to do well more than anything else. You need to have the energy to go through with it because yeah, it's easy to give up. You can sit there and say like, oh, we're screwed. I don't want to do this build anymore. But if you have the energy, you have the drive to keep going, even though you're tired, you're hungry, you're thirsty, you just want to do anything else. Uh, that's what's going to get you not only through the challenge, but it's probably going to give you a better build than some of your competition too. So that it was good to see them working together in this episode. <laughs> yes, because you got to you got to be able to turn to your partner in these times of of trouble. But but also we I think you made a good point, which is we know that the competition is fatiguing. You know, it's very long. And I remember like the cliffhanger challenge on your season. There was like a power function for um, or maybe it was the finale where like Mark and Steven, one of them kicked the plug out of the uh, of the thing and they were yelling at each other and they're sort of snapping at each other. And I was like, oh, this tells me that the competition's getting long. And so I think I think they have a fun banter anyway, but maybe on a good day, let alone uh, after you've been in the competition quite a while. Yeah, it's it's a yeah. fine line to balance, and like you're gonna see that with any team. But I know sometimes that barrier is lessened a little bit when it's your sibling because you yeah. know they're you know <laughs> what buttons you can push and you know how far you can go without getting yourself in trouble. Yes, well, I feel like with Dave and Emily, they like pushing each other's buttons. But yeah. uh, another team I wanted to get Moto's opinion on is Stephen and Stephen. Their theme was all about classic castle, the classic yellow castle, set number three seven five. Moto, I have to imagine as a fan of Lego, this is nostalgic for you. You. you know, what was your takeaway seeing sort of this nostalgia being brought into the competition? Oh, I love it because I own that set. I have that Ooh. set. <laughs> I have that classic original Yellow Castle set with the bajankity stamp stickers on it and purple <laughs> and weird brick built horses. And I just love um, everything about that set. It brings all the, you know, it brings some really strong memories back for me. Um, so, of course, I love the, the reference to that. And um, so that they had a reference. And then I believe... Uh, you know, the other reference that I also enjoyed um, seeing was a little bit of Johnny Thunder being called on another build, which will. Which oh, will yeah, for time. sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I always love those deep cuts. 
<laughs> yes. Well, those are those are I think what what us you know uh, longtime fan of fans of Lego you know definitely love to see because we get so nostalgic. You know, you can't see it here. You know, because we're on an audio podcast. But I see in Moda's background, he also has the box for the recent release for the Galaxy Explorer, which is this great throwback sort of remake set that they came out with for the 90th anniversary. So clearly Lego knows how to play on nostalgia to get us to buy a lot of their amazing sets. But, you know, um, you know, another team that I wanted to talk through just briefly was, um, you know, Emily and Liam, they, you know, there's a funny segment with them where Will asks Emily, you know, do you need a ride to the brick pit? And, you know, because he pulls up in his golf cart and we get a funny segment with Dom basically saying uh, to Liam, I think Will just stole your mom, you know, and at least Will's your new dad. Uh, you know, Caleb, are you happy that it wasn't your mom that was your partner, rather your brother? You know, would you be worried about Will stealing your mom? <laughs> that's a that's a complicated question there. Oh, man. <laughs> Will's a great dude, but I love my dad. Sorry, you can't replace him, Will. Uh, <laughs> but it was a very funny segment for sure. And like, that's the great thing. You know, everybody ha- has been locked on this set for probably a month at this point. Uh, yeah. You can tell that they're getting along pretty well with Will. And it leads to some funnier bits towards the end and just random shenanigans that Will feels like he can do and the cast feels like they can do. It's great to see. <laughs> yes. Well, and I feel like uh, Emily's like so earnest that I feel like she was oblivious to that potential subplot, you know, as it was happening, uh, which sort of makes it more hilarious because she's like, uh, she's not even in on it, but it's all happening anyway. But, uh, you know, another team I wanted to talk about in Moto and get your opinion on was Austin and Justin. You know, they're coming off their win. You know, there was this palpable energy. I'm sorry, coming off of being uh, in the top two, I should say. And they, you know, there's this palpable energy. They're coming into this with a lot of, you know, um, you know, great energy that was called out by the judges, you know, but the one thing is that they were taking on a lot during the build phase. You know, they had a lot of components they wanted to do. And also they wanted, you know, to have this oven door with a sensor. And, you know, Jamie went on to say that could be magical, you know, but basically the, they want to make sure that they're hitting on those right characteristics. You know, what is it like when you're in the competition and like you want to be ambitious, but at the same time, I think you got to make sure that it's like um, you butt right up against that line before it turns into hubris. And then that becomes your undoing. <laughs> I'm very familiar with that. I experienced that. Uh, in fact, if you have uh, Amy or Jamie um, coming up to your table and saying, I think this is really ambitious, there should be the Star Trek you know, red klaxon, warning signal, red alert going off in the back of your head. <laughs> because that keyword ambitious is really the sign that you need to take it back a notch and, and, and rethink what's realistic to accomplish. Now, a couple teams, of course, can't can meet that ambitious goal, but it's it's more often than not they know what they're talking about. And um, it's better to 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 take that feedback and not not pivot hard, but at least reduce the scope of what you were considering in your head. It really is a good check. And I think for these guys, um, at least from the me- the final belt, uh, had a had the mechanism in a, you know, I, I don't know what was going on in the beginning, but it seemed to me but by the end as if it was simplified, um, constructed well, and everything uh, fit into the theme. Also, great color use the really diligent selection of colors on their bill, but we'll get into that. For sure. Uh, can't wait to. Yeah, but for me, for me, the hat episode, it, well, for me, Paris and I received the comment, I think your hat is very ambitious. And, you know, you can see the result of that, <laughs> the direct result of that. Well, and it's so hard because you're, you're, first of all, you're building something you've never built before, but also you're sort of like having fun in the brick pit, you know, and I think 
you know, you were, you were both trying things in that hat challenge that maybe nobody's ever tried before with the flexible hat material and all this sort of stuff. So it's a, it, it's a, it's a tough, tough thing when you've got great ideas and finally the bricks to, to make those things happen. Yeah. But uh, with but, nine hours, yeah. with nine hours with one of these challenges, that's more limited in time. I, I think it's time to go to your safe place, work with what you know and what you can execute very quickly. And um, yeah, if you can pull a great concept off and a great story and everything comes together, then uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, and, and you make a really good point because there was a, there was a very quick throwaway line really right at the top of the build phase. You know, they sort of like to cut between a bunch of teams before they jump into it. And Emily looked at Liam and said, I want a simple mechanism. That's what she said. And I sort of feel like a lot of people should have been thinking this that way during this challenge is sort of like, how do I make the what we what they often call the MVP, the minimum viable product, you know, which is like, how do I <laughs> yeah. just like get get something that's going to work? And it, you know, it doesn't have to be the greatest something, but at least I know I can deliver within the nine hours. Um, so yes, it's it's very tough, especially in these short challenges. I think you probably are right, Moto. You should be thinking simple, simple, simple. You know, and if you've got time to make it more complicated, great. <laughs> um, and speaking of uh, of complicated mechanisms, there was a uh, a conveyor belt off. Uh, you know, yeah. Nick and Stacy. Uh, you know, Dom said, Nick and Stacy. I hear you're doing a conveyor belt too. Nick says, Yeah. So what? And then uh, it was very funny because Stacy off- offered some help. You know, and uh, there was a big uh, kids these days moment from Nick, but. Caleb, I know you're no stranger to, you know, people doing the same thing in the brick pit, or I mean, or on the in the in the competition, you know, when you see this happening, do you feel like they're just too far into the mechanisms to change anything? Or do you just sort of have to, you know, or, or is it was that a time to pivot, I guess? There's so many ways to do a conveyor belt. I think they were fine. But it was good of them to call each other out on it, because it creates for a wonderful TV moment. Uh, that's an <laughs> opportunity that should never be passed up on. Um, but it is interesting. Um, I, I felt like I, I wouldn't have wanted to give up on the conveyor belt idea either because it's yeah. it's a very big, bold idea that's going to get you some height, which is not something you'd expect to see from a lot of these very flat courses. Um, so I think at that point, and you got to imagine, I we have our Twitch streamers versus our yep. TikTok influencers. There's got to be some innate rivalry going on there. <laughs> and so neither one was going to back down in that situation. Yes. The battle of the internet celebs. Um, but, you know, there was another funny moment where, um, you know, Will asks uh, Dom, you know, do you and your girlfriend ever play mini golf? And uh, Dom said, nah, I'm too busy building with bricks. Uh, ha- and then there was this hashtag bricks before chicks. Uh, and, you know, I thought this was just very funny. It was one of those moments where, like, I'm sure looking back on it, Ethan and Dom are like, did I just say that on a national platform? You know, like, uh, you know, like, you know, are, are people going to take interest in me now if they know, you know, that I'm going to always put my collection before them now? This, and they have 90,000 more bricks to add to it. But but Moda, what was your takeaway of the bricks before chicks, you know, uh, movement, I think that started last night. I, I thought it, it's why this, it's why it's, this show is unscripted. This, <laughs> this is the reason this show is unscripted is for moments like this. Um, you know, every once in a while you have uh, something, some part of the interaction with the teams with Will that's completely unforeseen, unexpected, and, and hilarious. Um, where, yeah, he's, you know, he's single, and, and then they just kind of throw <laughs> that out there. And of course, Will's going to grab onto that and wrestle that to the ground for all it's worth, uh, which he should do, um, because it's comedy gold. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, I've been married for so long. I don't, I don't, I don't have any faint concept of what that means, but <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, I guess once you get into a serious relationship, it's more about negotiating and saying, 
you know, I'm, you know, if, if you let me play for this long with, you know, with the bricks downstairs, then I will clean the dishes or, you know, I will do all this stuff. I feel like you probably have to balance that. So there, there might be more to uh, carrying out that relationship. You know, you might want to enjoy it while you're single, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was great TV. I mean, it's one of those, it was one of those rare highlights for me of why the show is unscripted and, and, yes, you know, having, having that, um, you know, having that come on this episode, I think was one of the highlights of that unscripted, just fun, uh, kind of insanity that, that I'm, I'm there to embrace. I think it's good television. For sure. We're always, we're always here for good TV all the time. But, you know, one thing that we saw was that Ethan and Dom were struggling with some of their mechanisms. You know, they were it's the first time they ever built a conveyor belt. Dom said, I'm learning as I go. And they're putting a lot of faith in these motors. And Dom gives this kind of throwaway line. I wish I had pivoted now. <laughs> and so I'm curious, Caleb, like, do you feel like you, um, you know, we talked about this in previous seasons, but I'm curious if you've had an experience like this where you sort of like build yourself into a corner where you really like at this point, things are built and there's not much more you can do. Yeah. Uh, I have to believe that every contestant on the show has found themselves in that position um, because you get five hours into a build and you might not like what you've built so far. I mean, yeah. probably 75% <laughs> of the time, five hours in, you don't like what you've built and you cannot restart that far. And especially when the challenge is this short, we're looking at nine hours. That's insane. Sure. And if you dumped a lot of R&D into figuring out your Technic elevator, you're either... You either got to ditch it entirely or spend that last hour that it'll take to make it work. Because um, otherwise, you're not going to have anything to present to the judges. And that's that's the one thing you cannot do on this show. Yes. Uh, and, and thank God we've never seen someone go home for that reason. I feel like yeah. in other competition shows, you know, like, somebody's running their plate up to the table in MasterChef and they trip and then like, and they, they have no plate. I mean, like we, we've seen people go home on other shows because of that. And I just like, I feel so grateful, especially like, you know, being teased with the thought that that might happen in season one with Aaron and Christian's mm -hmm. mega city build. But I'm very, I'm very grateful because I don't want to see anyone go home for that reason. You know, yeah. rather than put out a great build and come up short, you know, I don't want to see it be like that sort of a technicality, um, like not getting anything on the plate uh, that sends them home. <laughs> exactly. Well, another team that, I guess they were worried might end up in that exact situation was Nick and Stacy. So, you know, they were going to build this whole fake wall, you know, with a mouse hole through it. And Jamie even asks, is it all going to be filled in? You know, it's an ambitious function for sure. And so, you know, they were very committed, you know, Stacy says, but we are so committed to our function. And Nick says we could run out of time. And, you know, Moto, like talk us through like what your takeaway was from that, because it's one of those things where I feel like you've got nine hours and you've got a great idea and you know you could execute it. And it's the time. I know it's a little short, but I think I could build it. I have to imagine that goes through your head when you're in the competition. So like what, what like what's your thoughts about you know Nick and Stacy here? Because it's one of those things where it's like if we could, if we could do it, it'll be amazing. But if we can't, then I don't know. <laughs> I, I've actually been in this position. So I've lived this experience of. Um, having the mechanical knowledge to execute something that you know in your gut is is going to carry you, you know, have a lot of points, um, which for me was the, the shake challenge. Um, yeah. And then having it, you know, incomplete, not looking great, not representative of your aesthetic um, and falling short of, of, of the goals that you set for yourselves as a team. Um, I live that. And, and it's rough. It's rough when you're there and, and kind of having the same, I can just, I can really, really empathize with, with the journey they went through in the struggle um, and having to put something on display that, you know, um, you know, you know, your aesthetics are, 
you know, I mean, these guys have delivered amazing aesthetic bells before. So there's no question that they, they don't know aesthetics or they don't know what they're doing. It's just a simple matter of running out of time for, um, you know, the mechanism that you also wanted to put in there to, to elevate yourself above the crowd and eventually yeah. just coming short on time. And I've been there and it, it is rough. It is really rough to be in that position. I know. It's like that. It reminds me of your uh, make and shake challenge with the bricks per minute, you know, like or bricks per hour or whatever, like how many, mm -hmm. just like how yeah. fast can you throw it down? And, you know, especially when, you know, when you think about how they approach the challenge, to build a wall means that it has to go across the entire span. It has to be a certain height. And, you know, for sort of for it to count as a wall, it probably has to be tall. And that just means more bricks that you're signing up for, you know? So even if the build is simple, it's that bricks per hour of it all, especially when you're, when it's a nine hour challenge and it's a complicated mechanism, it's really tough. And at one hour left, they were still building the wall. They had nothing on the green, basically. And they, you know, they hadn't put the roof on the wall. They hadn't, they hadn't built any of the characters, you know, it was it was crazy. You know, there was a certain point where they had to, you know, get Brendan to help the walls breaking as they're like carrying it and they, and they can't get it shoved in. And they're like, did we even measure this correctly? They finally do. And I love uh, this line where uh, Stacy's just like, Nick, we can do this. And then uh, she goes, I'm going to work on the roof, build me some cats. Uh, you know, so Caleb, like, you know, were you on yeah. your on pins and needles like I was during this moment? Yeah, definitely. I think everyone in the room was too, because the, the tension is high here. Like, I think this is one of those sometimes, you know, the editing flubs with the timing a bit, but this was real. Uh, they yeah. were definitely <laughs> down to the wire here because it's like you said, just the scale of the thing they were going for was insane. I mean, I can't think of any other teams who tried to span that entire gap across. And like, I admired their ambition here, um, to making sure you only had one route to the hole. Uh, but it, it was a dangerous gamble, especially when they had a pretty complicated technic mechanism going on, which again, probably ate up a lot of that time where they could have been spending that on just laying down bricks for this wall. Yeah, I know. And it's so heartbreaking. You know, I feel like, you know, I, I I had known Nick before the show. He was he was on my podcast last season. And so he's always been like someone I'm rooting for. And so to see him in these in the moment, like interviews, just so downtrodden, you know, they didn't have time to test it, uh, you know, and, and uh, they, he said, we have to put as many bricks down to make it look as complete as possible because we know it's not going to be a properly finished build. And it's like it's those heartbreaking <laughs> moments that add like like, like we said, like a drama to the show that's sort of not the fun kind of drama because we want to see people do well. And and it's tough, you know, like I guess, you know, Moto, it sort of reminds me to your point of earlier about the, your make and shake challenge where at a certain point, your structure, you know, your, your kind of framing that you had built was really solid, but you needed to get it covered and get it covered fast. You know, so like, you know, talk us through like what you imagine Nick and Stacy were going through in this moment. Well, well, I hope, I hope they didn't have to experience what I experienced, which was, you know, after the product was delivered, um, you know, I was trying to get out of the space as quickly as possible to run away from Jamie and Amy and avoiding eye contact. And, <laughs> and, and Jamie yelled, he yelled at us. He said, Hey, and we turned around and he goes, base plates. Really guys, seriously, oh. that's, you know, that is the, that's the, on well, it's truthful, but it was pretty brutal. I mean, that's really cutting. Um, so I hope that, um, you know, they had their difficulty, their mechanism. Well, maybe we're not supposed to talk about the builds and what happened, but you know, in the end, um, you know, I think they came out okay. And, and, the, and they got the good feedback, which was, you just ran out of time, right? It's just not as finished or as polished. We know you guys have the aesthetics. 
down, you just ran out of time. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, that's, you can't ignore it. That's the honest truth. So um, yeah, I just hope yeah. that there wasn't any off camera, like guys, 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 or, or getting the, the, you know, getting the deserved heat <laughs> for what you, oh. what you brought in. I know and you're already punishing yourself enough, but yeah, I mean, like they, they had an extended segment at the start of the judging with Nick and Stacy. Yeah. And I feel like the show's never really taken quite this much time. You know, Nick says, I'm ready to accept my fate. We know we made a mistake about how we went about this challenge. Uh, you know, he says, I'm so sorry, Stacy. <laughs> and, you know, he said, it's honestly devastating knowing we're probably going home on this one. Like I said, I don't, I don't know if they've ever like dwelled on a team so long in, in this sort of like in the moment interview segment. And so I was... I was like losing my mind, you know, I was like literally like watching the show, just like absolutely losing my mind about it. But we have to go to the Lego Mini Masters tournament. So this is the judging phase. We'll yeah. finally get a chance to dive into all the builds in more detail. Um, and, you know, we hear a voiceover from Will. Welcome to the most prestigious event in Earth's history, the Lego <laughs> Mini Masters. Um, you know, Caleb, I feel like, you know, you're, you're a cultured person, you know, about Earth's history, you know, did you see this as the most prestigious event in, in all of our history? Undoubtedly, 100%. This was peak television, peak history. This is this yes. peak everything. Uh, it was, <laughs> I had been, I didn't know it, but I was waiting my entire life for this moment. Exactly, exactly. You know, and ha it has the quiet confidence, you know, of a golf, a mini golf tournament versus like the, the rage induced chaos of the Derby from your season, uh, your interactive challenge, if you will. <laughs> um, but in this, in this, we're going to walk through all of the judging and, you know, I've got a lot of notes about also how the, how Will played all of it. Cause obviously the play experience was a key part of this. So I'll take us through in the order that the show went. So the first team was Dave and Emily. Theirs was the gnome wheelhouse. And uh, you know, this is a par two course. And your goal was to hit it over the teeter-totter. And if you hit it hard enough, it'll roll around the curved wall straight towards the wheel in the middle of the wheelhouse. And so just to walk you through and reminisce about how it was for Will, he hits the ball over the teeter-totter in his first hit. It curves around and it lands just in front of the wheel. He hits it again. It goes into the wheel, which is spinning, and it goes on into the hole. Two strokes, a par for the course. You know, Moto, take us through the build and your, ex and your sort of uh, experience with all this. You know, what did you think about the gnomes wheelhouse? I really enjoyed this one. I think the team summarized it very accurately, which was it was clean and it was polished. Um, yeah. So really good use of color. Um, not a lot of uh, crazy staccato mixing of the light and dark gray in their stonework. You know, they had a deft touch of a little peppering of the dark gray to give it that stonework without over complicating it and making it look yeah. like a crazy camouflage pattern. Um, the gnome, the flowers, the toadstool, um, even the water features that they added as barriers, everything there uh, was very purposeful, intentful, um, and simplified almost to, we've talked about how you know, Lego can be rendered almost like a, a comic, you know, a graphic illustration rendered in three dimensions. And I really got that feel from this, where the colors of the blue for the water traps uh, really had a great uh, reflection in the sides of the houses. And then, of course, using the complementary yellow bright color in the housework, um, beautiful windows. Um, and then, you know, the mechanism uh, to meet the objective of you know, moving the 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 golf ball forward um, worked out well because it's a very simple mechanism. It's something I would have done, which is, hey, a motor rotates. We better we better just go with the rotating mechanism. That's 
that's enough for nine hours and making a wheelhouse and just putting it vertical where it just paddle boats it right right in like a putter right into the hole is a really really smart uh kind of like a you know they call them sh- it's not a shotgun house but you know it's a shotgun paddle wheel. just just <laughs> peppers that sucker right down the 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 course laid in front of it for almost a hole in one if you can get it into that wheel so um overall really beautiful and also this is one of the few courses that was in an l shape um, yeah. so they were forced to put a curve in there and it looked completely natural it was super strong it was able to take a hit without breaking um you know another flower fell over or anything like that thing, that thing was rock solid um so yeah. overall i think this is really well uh thought through crafted and executed yes and for me i sort of felt like to your point about it being clean it really felt sort of like one of the most mini golfish courses you know that water feature you know like it's sort of just reminds you of, of like the old mini golf courses i used to do where it's like it's it's like a concrete you know basin that's clearly been painted you know blue to sort of like add that effect you know like it sort of had that like kind of worn you know like 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 it reminded me of the worn down mini golf I used to play but yeah I mean really simple simple clean mechanisms that just delivered uh, but Caleb what was your takeaway yeah I, Moda hit a lot of good points here there's so much to be said for simple done well in this show uh, it's so easy to get bogged down in the details because a lot of mock builders like myself we we build in mini figure scale right and yeah. We always are putting in these noisy details like Moto mentioned, uh, but those do not come across well at a large scale like this or on, they don't show up at all on television sometimes. And so getting these really large, recognizable objects really clean, like Dave himself said, it's it works really good and it it popped. It wasn't messy. And the functionality was fantastic, too. It was following the same rule. Simple done well rotation uh i mean you put enough big enough paddle on that it looks impressive even though it's just rotating it, there's enough yeah. movement going on to make the whole thing feel alive and i thought the the teeter-totter was brilliant uh that there's no motors involved with that and all but it's going to work consistently every time it's going to be strong you don't have to worry about programming it don't have to worry about the batteries dying or whatever it might be uh there was lots of very smart plays made in the making of this build absolutely yeah to your point like it was like just a natural mechanism with the teeter-totter and you know this this was a challenge that required movement but it didn't necessitate complex movement like the previous challenge did you know like we had the like show off what you can do with motors challenge. The only requirement was that this had motors. And I feel like it was surprising to see so many of the teams try to like next level it with sensors and color sensors and all this sort of stuff. I was like, you know, to your point, like just make it rotate. Like this is a really, really smart, uh, smart, smart challenge uh, approach. You know, I feel like when Dave is on our podcast, he often talks about that. Like, how do you take what the judges say and pull out the right elements do just ju- do it just right to thread the needle and sort of don't overcomplicate it. And I really love what they had to do. You know, I think, you know, they built simple structures like the houses are simple. They're, you know, they're, they're not too complicated, but that's exactly the right kind of build in nine hours. You know, something you can just stack, you know, nothing that needs, a you know, something too complicated to work. So I really thought just the approach you know, listen, while it could have been the most unbelievable mock if it had had, you know, even more detail, it didn't need it, you know, and it sort of gave it that kind of kitschy mini golf feel, like I was saying, that I really loved. Um, and the judges really loved it, too. Amy went on to say, I love that you have this teeter-totter bridge and that you use an, a me- mechanical function. So it's really about hitting the ball hard enough so the weight of the ball makes it tip over. And that's actually really clever. And Jamie really loved the curve. The curve is also really well built, and it clearly did give you some help getting to that position. And again, Moda, that's that feedback, getting to that position. So it didn't have to be a motorized function that helped you traverse the course. It could be as simple as a curve, but sometimes those simple things are really effective. So yeah, overall, 
Loved what Dave and Emily had to do. Uh, but let's go over to the other Emily with Emily and Liam. Their build was squirreling around. And <laughs> the story as it goes here was uh, this par three course. It's all about the squirrels. They want to get their, their acorns to the stash. You know, uh, the acorns always have their stash, uh, but there are some mischievous blue jays in the neighborhood um, and there's a seesaw function. So you have to carefully time it so that your ball goes down the squirrel side rather than the blue jay side, which will take you back where you started. And like I mentioned, this is a par three um, and this is how it went for Will. The first hit, it knocks into the barrier with the squirrel, but it doesn't make it through. On the second stroke, it makes it through, but it gets stuck sort of like in between the slats of the fence that were diagonal in the corner of the build. Um, and you know, so that diagonal wasn't really quite the bounce opportunity I think they had, had hoped it to be. And then the third one, it gets up the ramp, but it comes back down. They, you, I, my thought was you really had to like hit that, that ramp straight on and sort of the function of their, of their course didn't really lend to that. And then on his fourth stroke, he gets it up and lands it on the correct side, which is really exciting. And the ball lands just past the pin and on the fifth stroke, he taps it in. So a double bogey for Will on this one. But uh, but but Caleb, what did you think? Did you think the build was a double bogey? <laughs> no, and I, I absolutely love the squirrels, first of all. Uh, there's yeah. some really great shaping going on there. And of course, you love to see large-scale characters like that on, on the show. Um, and this is, in contrast to the last build, is maybe one that suffered from overcomplication a little bit. Because uh, as much as I admire the unique mechanism they had going on, um, it it become it became a little messy for sure. And I know Amy commented on that and that you couldn't even see the Blue Jay over the fence pieces, right? And I have to totally agree with that. Uh, but there was a lot of things going very well for this build too. Just the the fact the scaling was right. Uh, and everything was instantly recognizable was was very nice lots of again clean color blocking um so there was good there was good there was bad not their strongest build by any means uh but it definitely didn't feel like they were headed to the bottom too yeah absolutely i think to your point like the fences almost looked like the fences you would buy to make like a little herb garden in your backyard, you know, like, so it sort of felt familiar and it was the right scale to your point, which I thought was really strong. But Moto, what did you think? What was your takeaway of their build? Yeah. One thing that was very difficult to see, unless you looked at it really closely, was that first gate. Um, there yeah. was extra friction in it because when Will managed to get the ball through on the second shot, the head of the uh, squirrel actually turned. It oh. rotated and looked behind at the ball traveling through um, behind it. So, so one of the, there was there was not just the seesaw motion, but they they actually had incorporated um, a gearing mechanism within that gate, where when the gate um, the ball you know flipped the gate, that rotated the squirrel's head from looking in front to looking behind itself at the ball as it traveled through. Um, maybe didn't get captured well, so it wasn't able to edit that part in very cleanly. Um, but when I noticed it, I was like, oh, there's a second motion there. And it spoke to me of that quality of, of uh, what were they looking for? Surprise reveals. Surprise reveals, yeah. right? So so um, this is one of those ones where, um, you know, they check the box with the number of traps they needed, the number of barriers, the white picket fence, all of that stuff. Um, but they had that, to me, it was a surprise reveal that the head rotated on the squirrel to look at the ball as it passed behind it. Um, just as Caleb said, I, I think the seesaw mechanism was effective. The, the problem I had was there wasn't, besides the, the squirrels themselves, there wasn't a large showpiece to really focus your attention onto the sure. onto the final you know interaction to get it into the hole um so that yeah that's where i think we're we're looking at something that's safe but but maybe not at the top definitely not at the bottom yeah no i think you make an interesting point because because the build was so simple the theme was sort of like 
our pedestrian life. You know, it wasn't like, you know, uh, you know, something that like that was that had that huge eye catching icon, you know, that was added, you know, maybe height or intrigue or whatever it is. But obviously it worked really well. I didn't even notice that first mechanism, Moto. So like, listen, this is why we have the masters on the podcast because they, they catch everything. <laughs> you have guys this. like me who are obsessed about about looking at every little detail. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was obsessed, but 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 uh, Moto, this is why we have you. But uh, you know, the interesting thing there is though is that a mechanism like that, because it's geared into that little gate, it essentially has to overcome the weight of the gate as well as the weight of the head and the friction of the head sitting on the body. So it, it sort of means you have to hit that first shot pretty hard, um, you know, just yeah, to overcome yeah. And that's, all that. That's why, the, that's why it didn't go through the first time. I mean, Will is probably thinking it's just an axle sitting there. And it's just this little flap of Lego yep. plastic, not a big deal. Just hit it, right? Um, but no, once, uh, you know, that that's why that second shot when it went through, I, you know, I was like, why didn't that go through? I mean, and then that's when I was like, oh, I got to draw my attention and rewind and, and check it out. And, and there's the explanation, right? It had a, it had something going on this little surprise yeah. package. Yeah. A little nut, they, a little acorn. Yeah. A little acorn <laughs> of, of extra, of extra effort. But yeah, no, they had some great characters. Like Caleb said, I like, I really loved the squirrels. They had kind of like a goofy cartoony look. The blue Jay, you know, had a nice design. And I loved, you know, what Jamie went on to say, which is that they were both holding on to the end of that teeter totter. So it really like gave it a really lively quality. Like Amy said, unfortunately, that was a little hidden by that like T-shaped fence that they had to guide the ball. But yeah, I mean, I think overall, like you said, Caleb, this was really clean. Maybe nothing like that was their best that we've ever seen them do. You know, a couple little details that sort of stood out to me on that side was that there was one little flower behind that angled fence in the corner, like just one single flower. And so part of me was like, did something break? Did they run out of time? And they just didn't want to have nothing behind the fence. I mean, listen, like I said, this isn't a, a, a show where we judge them on what they could do if they had unlimited time and the best of their ability, you know, so but but to your point, there's some of those rougher edges that I think if, you know, if they could have taken those things and polished them the tiniest bit it would have only helped their build succeed even more than it already did. So I, I'm not trying to be too hard on it, obviously. Well, well also, I, I think this is where this is an example of where you need two incredibly fast hands at play. Yeah, it, it, right. This is a low hour challenge, which means um, you it, like if I look at Caleb and Jacob, these guys both are not just fast, they're both fast, right? It's not like there's one person who's incredibly fast, one person who's, you know, there to anchor you in the storytelling or something like that. This is just one of those things where um, you need both teammates to have just hands on fire the entire time from beginning to end. Um, and that 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 may have, you know, contributed um, to this outcome. I don't know for sure, because obviously I'm not there and I can't tell from the edits, but it's one of those things where I think if you have two incredibly fast builders in a nine hour challenge, you're probably going to be at a greater advantage than if someone, if you have one incredibly fast builder and one maybe who's a model maker, more detailed like myself, who's more used to a, you know, an even pace, but, but making, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, gigantic centerpiece or aesthetic component. Yeah. You just got to be well, fast. Well, and, and we saw that, you know, with some of the most successful teams, I think about Mark and Boone, where, you know, as the story goes, you know, Mark could just throw down brick, you know, I mean, yep. he can, mm -hmm. he could sort of build as fast as one and a half people. And then Boone could then have the time, you know, it sort of freed Boone up to make the little hot dog character for their mega city, you know, their crazy uh, food truck tower, you know, whatever it is, like Boone had the freedom to do what he does best. And so 
yes, you do want to think about how your team complements each other. Either you're both kind of equal and fast, and so you can divide and conquer, or one person's really exceptional at one thing so that it helps free up room for the other. But yeah, I mean, it's this team has grown a lot, as Jamie said. You know, he said, mm-hmm. I, the fact that both those characters' arms are moving, but they're not linked, that was clever. If you linked them, that's another connect that can fail, and you learned that from the last challenge. So I like that you've grown and you've shown that in this one. So but listen, like, like I said, we're, we're sort of, I always think about this, like the more nitpicky we get, it's because they are doing really well in the competition. And it's because we know they could do that. These are the little details that would sort of take them even higher than they've already gone. And it's great to see that the judges are also recognizing this. But let's move on to a brother team. We've got a brother on the podcast, so I'm, I'm glad we could talk about a brother team in Brendan and Greg. Their build was called Under Construction. And in this par three, you get to be the supervisor. I, I assume the ball is the supervisor. As you walk up the ramp and slowly move down the I-beam girders, you then come to the dump truck and the daunting S-curve, and you'll continue to the construction by raising the incomplete girder. As Will played this, uh, like we said, uh, it was a par three, but Will starts off and says, uh, by the looks of it, it's a par 12. Uh, and so let's walk you through all of his strokes. So the first one, he hits the ball up the ramp, but not quite enough to make it to the next optical obstacle and Amy literally gasps as it rolls back down and my thought was maybe it was a little too steep here uh number two again not enough it's a tough start Jamie says but on number three he gets it up the ramp and it travels on top in between the I-beams this was kind of a cool look and and it could have been a point for failure because had the ball fallen off the I-beams that could have been trouble and it lands in the dump truck which lifts and then dumps it onto a little ramp which kind of spits it out uh and then on shot number four he hits it along the S-curve as it makes it through really beautifully. Uh, a girder, that sort of hanging girder, lifts up with a sensor. And my thought was, I'm so surprising, I'm so surprised that the sensor either triggered fast enough or whatever it was to make that work because Will hit it so hard and it like zipped around those S-curves that I could have just seen it blowing and hitting that girder. Somehow it managed to get out of the way. I, I'm still not sure how that happened. A miracle, maybe. And then finally, uh, the last shot, Will has to comically find a good spot to stand because there's so many of these tall structures that he literally, there wasn't a great place to approach his final shot, but he's able to sink the putt, five strokes, double bogey. And as he celebrates, he knocks over one of the I-beams. But Caleb, what did you think about this under construction uh, mini golf course hole? I remember the initial reveal and I was just blown away by how much stuff was out yeah. there i was like that is impressive that's an ambition uh for sure and you know some of it lacks a bit of that polish but i think things like the traffic cones and of course the the brick bending to accomplish that s curve were, were especially beautiful i thought and worked yeah. really well um there was a lot of fun stuff it was definitely the most rube goldberg machine-esque of all of them <laughs> um for and sure. it didn't feel so much as a mini golf course as it did you know just a a series of events happening it like the actual gbc uh the great ball contraption as opposed to the golf ball contraption um yeah. but it was really fun to watch um but i had to i have to imagine it was a bit frustrating to play uh for poor will too and, and that's that's the only place where you, they get dinged a little bit by the judges and i it just doesn't it doesn't feel like a golf course in the way some of the other things do and i think that's because the scale is off for the most part it is scaled 
uh, to minifigures for the most part. Um, and even though there are some great moments, like we talk about the S-curve and the, the oversized traffic cones, um, overall, because they were building in the mindset of like a much smaller person, they forgot that somebody does actually have to come in and play this. And if they get stuck in the middle, uh, they're going to have to be prodding at the ball from the side. But yeah. overall, it looks great. And I mean, just the amount of stuff that was out there was super impressive. For sure. You know, for those who don't know, you know, Caleb also works in video games. And so I sort of saw this a little bit like a level design, like a video game level. And obviously they had a lot of components, but also, you know, part of the, like part of what takes a level design from like the, just at your average level to like those exceptional game designs is when the path is sort of becomes clearer, the, the, the user's guided and it's challenging, but it's obvious. And I think that there was, they tried to create a lot of, of components, but also it sort of came at a little bit of a price. My only thought was, you know, they really sectioned off the build. There was all these walls that sort of like uh, created barriers and reason as, as the main reason why you couldn't go one direction or another. Um, you know, my only thought was like, it was funny because the ball started almost right next to the pin and there was like maybe a three brick wall high wall. And if I was Will, I'm going to just try to chip it, you know, like, and just, just pop it over that little fence. And, and, you know, it's a par three, I could get it in two and avoid any of the mechanisms. Uh, but yeah, I, so that was my only takeaway that, you know, you uniquely reminded me of is like, you know, a mini golf course is sort of like a level design in a game. And you really want to think about that uh, user experience. Like what, what's it going to be like for the gamer? Uh, to play it. But Moto, you know, what was your takeaway from all this? Oh, you guys have covered just about everything I had in my notes. I, you know, I wrote Rube Goldberg, um, really <laughs> hammered the curve. Uh, you know, crane lifts up. Holy cow, how? <laughs> um, so I think you guys have covered everything there. And then you got into this, but this is one of the rectangular holes where yeah. you have a lot of, you know, you with the L-shaped ones, I'll call them, that we've had so far, it's pretty obvious that you need to start at one end of the L. That's the furthest away from where the hole is. Um, so these have kind of are open for interpretation. And the way it was interpreted, you're right, is very complex where they weren't just going down and back, like in a C shape. They actually did like a, uh, an infinity, like an eight. They started yeah. at one end of the diagonal, went all the way to the other end of the diagonal, and then forced you to go all the way around the diagonal with another additional set of curves. So um, not just Rube Goldberg in sense of all the mechanical mechanisms had to work together. And oh my God, wasn't it amazing that once went up that ramp, everything like cascaded perfectly. That that blew my mind. That was, uh, the, I would have freaked out the, the level of risk there of having <laughs> someone chip the ball exactly up the, the straight and narrow to land and, and roll um, beautifully, but but also the complexity of of navigation through that was was pretty bonkers when you sit down and realize you're going diagonally, you know, X Y's across the course to the other end, and then yeah. going through a, a set of almost like um, Formula One car or Grand Prix type spline racing to get that thing down <laughs> to the end. Um, so kudos to Will on his skill and, and, uh, man, that was a lot of stuff that had to happen. So really impressed that, uh, it got there in five and without anything really breaking until, um, you know, Will's foot came off the green. Yeah. I mean, I, I think to your point, like, uh, you know, sort of, it harkens back to Amy's feedback, which is, I do think you crammed a lot into a small space which made the playability for Will tough, especially when the ball was near the crane. Um, you know, but she said, but overall, I think it had a lot of fun features to it. Well done. And I think, you know, that was the other hard part is I think when it's, they chose a lot of dark gray. And so I, I don't think that the components sort of stood out in the way that they wanted them to uh, from a visual standpoint. But overall, I do, I do really uh, admire the ambition 
And if I was yeah, having impressive. to play a course, really I would love a course that had like 12 components just because, you know, you're getting your money's worth at that point. But uh, but yes, a great job, Brendan and Greg. Let's move on then to Ethan and Dom with the Jungle Temple Adventure. As the story goes here, this par three, you have to find the key in the dangerous temple. And then you're going to hit up the ball. You're going to hit the ball. It'll go up the conveyor belt, drop down and shoot towards the treasure room and out the treasure room and into the hole. As Will, Will went to go play this par three course on his first hit, he hits the ball up the green ramp straight into the conveyor belt. Uh, we've seen him struggle with ramps. So it was great to see him do well here. The ball, uh, though, is sitting in this little pit, sort of being wait- waiting to be picked up by these technic pins that are in that conveyor belt. And we see it sort of skip multiple times. It like skips two or three times. And we're worried if it's going to catch and finally make it up, but it does. And it falls down, pops out the back of the, of the temple. On a second hit, he hits it into the treasure room and a door closes behind it. Uh, the side door opens, pops out, but there's some sort of gem. The gem sort of like falls off and blocks the door, sort of preventing it from rolling out. And then the ball is just sort of sitting right in front of the door. And Will has to use the ball like a pool cue, uh, the other end of it, or the club, I should say, like a pool cue. And through like a little sunroof, uh, you know, you know, a, a skylight in the top of the treasure room is somehow able to pop the ball out um, just shy of the hole. And then on his fourth stroke taps it in. So four strokes this time, that's just a single bogey. Uh, but Moto, what was your takeaway of our jungle temple adventure? I, I love the concept. I love this story. Um, so I'm a big fan of Indiana Jones, which then derived into Johnny Thunder, if you're willing to that sure. theme. Um, so seeing Johnny Thunder or the closest approximation to a Johnny Thunder that you can get from the pet uh, fig elements was a wonderful callback to anybody who knows that theme. Um, <clears throat> you know, this Aztecian, Mayan, Toltec, Umesh, whatever you want to call it, um, type of pyramid, really well executed. Um, but this is where we get into the complexity of the Great Ball Contraption, if you've ever gone to a convention, where they are constantly under maintenance, they are constantly <laughs> under supervision. Um, even things as simple as an escalator mechanism that they did here, um, because of the tolerances and the slack over great distances. Um, you know, my son this weekend was a GBC helper, and he spent eight hours straight with a little tool, you know, moving little soccer balls around to make sure they worked. Um, so that was was probably the time and effort to make that large showpiece, that showcase piece, um, just just ate up the clock. And um, unfortunately, um, I think it was called out. Maybe it's hard for me to give any suggestion because I think it's just that there there was never going to be enough time. So sure. I was thinking maybe if they moved the temple so that it exited right into the hole, you would have had this great show piece at the finale end, right? If you just transpose the two mechanisms, but but then there's no there's no rock wall or barriers in this thing. Um, you know, if this was a, a true mini golf course, I could have just knocked it to the right and had a clear path right to the hole while avoiding all of the obstacles. So, yeah, and, you know, the lack of barriers, you know, if you move the small second mechanism to the front, there wouldn't have been a rock wall. Um, you know, Will was playing along and inten- intentionally interacting right, with their <laughs> challenges. But but at the end of it, I, I think that massive showpiece is everything and it's just gorgeous. But unfortunately, um, everything else kind of gets sacrificed for it. And of course, the gem breaking off didn't help didn't help their their case at all. Um, so I feel for them. And uh, ultimately, it was the scale of it, um, the amount of detail put into the to the mountain as well as the key um 
and then the complexity of the mechanism. I mean, it's simple to say there's a conveyor belt, but with a nine-hour challenge, I think even something like that, and if you've ever tried to look at a GBC module, even the simplest of, of escalator or elevator type functions are extremely difficult to tune, especially when you're dealing with a golf ball. I mean, these little yeah. Lego balls are not that heavy, but a golf ball has got some serious weight to it um, against the pull of these motors. So um, congratulations to the guys. The theme is awesome. I love the retro feel of it. it it's a throwback. The jungle looks great. There's a ton of detail in it. Unfortunately, um, like we talked before, I think simplicity, like simplification would have freed up a lot of time to maybe knock out some of these barriers and walls and, and other things that would have, um, you know, made it look like a miniature golf course and not like a, you know, a, a display piece at a convention. Yeah. To your point, they put so much detail into that temple. And, you know, mini golf courses are more cartoony. They're more simplified. They don't have all sorts of little foliage and all the great, they, I mean, listen, they are, it, it and I, you know, I can criticize in hindsight, right. As a, as a casual viewer sitting here, I, I think in the moment, um, you know, and I've been there, it's just, um, you get hyper-focused and you, and you really want to, you know, see your vision come true, but you're at this point, you're getting so exhausted that you have this, you know, the, you have this fog where sometimes you're unable to step back and just you know, halfway through go, oh man, you know, I think we need to put barriers in there. Or we need a surprise or, you know, X, Y, or Z. We're just at this point trying to cross all the, you know, cross off things from our list, but we're missing the, the greater vision there. And, and maybe all those things contributed. Well, and the hard part is like with the big gray mountain of it all, you know, just like in the last challenge, we saw Austin and Justin with their volcano, the judges basically said, make sure that it's not just a big gray mountain. And so maybe their thought was, you know, I could simplify my Aztec, you know, temple, but then I'm going to get called out that it doesn't have enough detail, you know, so, you know, everyone's Mm -hmm. sort of trying to do their best to account for everything, um, which is just so, so hard. Um, But it's also difficult. Yeah, it's difficult to dismiss the baggage of the last challenge and, and look and, and interpret each challenge as as maybe needing completely different ways of interpretation. And, and it is a trap that you fall into. Yeah. No, I, I, listen, I can only imagine. Um, but Caleb, you built a temple in your first challenge in your Lego Day Parade challenge. So I have to imagine you've got some thoughts here. Yeah, I and we've touched on a lot of things already, so I don't want to repeat anything here. But I know one thing that happened to Jacob and I, and I have to imagine happens to other people, is you see that bucket full of plant pieces. And any Lego builder <laughs> loves plant pieces. And you get a little <laughs> over eager to use more plant pieces than you've ever seen before. And that, that might account for some of the over detailing, perhaps, <laughs> that's taken place here, too, because I know we did that same exact thing. Um because when are you going to have that many palm leaves again? Um, I, I love the big, the scale of the thing is impressive, uh, yeah. for sure. Great use of burps. People are always crapping on burps, but I mean, they can get you volume real fast and they use them very effectively to build the majority of the structure here, making it light and still pretty strong. Um, but we talked about it before, but the composition of this thing, I think is a little backwards. Uh, yeah. Like that that centerpiece needed to be that temple. That, that needs to be the final big and epic moment. Um, the one thing that I thought was really disappointing about this build is that you you attain all this verticality with a really cool mechanism, the conveyor belt, and then you just drop it invisibly down a chute in the middle of the temple. Mm. This was an mm. opportunity to maybe have some sort of ramp that it went down, interact with other items, use that height because you have gravity that will pull it down and make it do the golf ball do interesting things on the way down hiding it away in a box with a finicky mechanism of course just leads to a kind of lackluster ending um definitely not the wow moment when it kind of gets spit even if it had worked properly the ball would have just kind of 
come out. I don't think I would have been able to make it to the hole. Um, and of course that played in with their story, but it just, I think they, they got bogged down in the details again and didn't see this as a larger picture, how it was going to play out, you know, in the 10 seconds that it was going to take on TV. Yeah. And I didn't even think of that, Caleb, but yeah, you could use the golf ball, like the Indiana Jones boulder yeah. chase and done something amazing. If you did ramp it off, that's a really great insight. Didn't even think about that. Yeah. Or even like had it zigzag down the back face of the mountain or something like that with you know, some clever mm. channeling. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they had a lot of really great things. My, you know, like I said, my big takeaway was a lo lot like yours Moto, which is like the composition left it a bit sparse. You know, the, the, the field sort of felt a little empty. They had the right idea to create uh, that showpiece and icon such height, you know, so like they did, they really, you know, you, I love to see like they're learning, like all, they all want to like take the right, you know, kind of things that the judges love from previous challenges and put it into the next challenge. Um, and they really had a lot of great details. You know, there was torches with fire at the top. There was a skull with a kind of like face paint markings. There was all these different details only for it to, you know, like you said, Caleb, just pop out by a little hut that I guess was a treasure room, I guess, you know, like, and it's one of those things where, like, like you said, you know, it was, it, this was a mechanism's first challenge, I feel like for them. And, you know, it's just tough to like see the forest from the trees, you know, in terms of how they were putting this level design together, because, you know, Mario doesn't start. The level at the castle he ends the level at the castle you know and so i i do agree with you there um but yeah amy said you really did take us on an adventure because you could feel the tension as the ball slowly traveled up and popped out the other side and you know jamie just wishes like we did that they took the same approach with the second part of the model so yes it's uh it's it's just tough um you know he said having it stop then not control uh, uh have it stop and then not controlling it where you actually had to kick it out at the right speed it did make for a dis disappointing finish, which is the last thing we want to see in a fun challenge where the playability is a key component to it. But why don't we move on to our next our next mini golf level uh, or, or our hole, I should say, with Steven and Steven. Their build was the classic castle like we talked about. And the story is that this is based on the classic yellow castle from the 1979 castle set number 375. And we actually saw that as a Roman numeral above the gate. Um, and you're going to hit the ball as the knight and try to trigger a surrender from the evil villain that's in the purple tower. Then you'll head over the drawbridge through the timed porticulus to the hole. And uh, in terms of this, it was a, uh, a par three. And this is how it went for Will. He hit it against the diagonal wall where there was a sensor that triggered the villain's flag and it actually popped up. It was And then in his second shot, he timed it correctly as he hit it through that gate that was going up and down, and it landed straight in the hole. And while it was a par three, they actually did this in two strokes, and it was a birdie for Will. So this is his best performance on a hole this far. Uh, but Caleb, you know, what did you think about the performance of Steven and Steven for this one? It's a castle. I love it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot I was talking to the official castle bro. The official one of the official castle bros, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was super excited when they said they were going to take that idea because that is a, the perfect cartoony, like we've been talking about, yeah. thing to take, a yellow castle, right? Uh, I think they did a really good job of scaling it up and keeping rather simple detailing, larger shapes. Um, and uh, it's still instantly recognizable. The color palette is right on. The, the one thing that blew my mind was that flag. Um, and I <laughs> wish we got to see how that happened. Um, you can, there's like, there was some sort of axle and I don't know if it was a color sensor on the inside, but I want, I wanted to see what was inside that purple tower that made that flag race. Cause it was very impressive. It was fast. It, it that's one thing you think would break on the way up or the wall would smash sure. or something. Um, yeah, I think this feels like another example, except for the flag of simple done well, 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I liked it a lot. It looked great, worked exactly as it needed to. And I think for Will to get it in on two, it was very satisfying to play too. Yes, exactly. You got you to gotta appeal to Will's ego when it comes to these things. Uh, no, all, all joking aside. No, I think that the castle theme, I mean, listen, castle theme, I think we've seen it in mini golf and that's not a bad thing. You know, I think they really executed that piece of it well. Like you said, all the castles kind of had this interesting technique to make it look like larger bricks. Amy commented on that in her judging, you know, where she went on to say, uh, I really like how you leaned into the nostalgia of the castle theme. And I love the way you built it. So it actually looks like oversized Lego bricks that have been stacked together. And I think it's this oversized feel that makes it feel like a real mini golf course. And I definitely agree with that. But Moto, what did you what, what did you think of it? Yeah, I absolutely loved it. Also, I talk about the color. Um, so the enemy was purple. So if you think once again, color complements. So you know, the opposite of yellow is going to be red and blue mixed together makes purple. So um, you know, good color, good usage. Um, the the bricks of bricks was a great usage. The so for all of that positivity, the only thing because um, they had the surprise, right? We were talking about how a couple of these belts have that that extra surprise built in. That flag, I think, was just pure enjoyment of a surprise when when they <laughs> hit in the axle trigger the 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 flag up. The only thing that I think might have dinged this a bit is when we talk about the original criteria of your your motion has to propel the the ball forward. Okay. So of all of these, these are all passive interactions where it was a barrier rebound and then it, the porticulus went up and down. Um, so Jamie said that the flag went up and it gives you the energy to continue forward in terms of emotional energy, you know, psychological energy. But in this part, I think the judges were, you know, understanding that the intent of a miniature golf course was met, even though the rule of the law could have said, you know, you didn't have an active element that propelled the ball forward from position A to position B um, yeah. from the way the original criteria was laid out. So that that was like maybe a technicality, I would say, if I was, but but you know, on these on these rules, um, there are folks who are keeping track of the technicality of whether <laughs> you meet stuff or not. Um, so in the end, it was very fun. It was very playable. But if I was, you know, looking at, you know, if I was the lawyer in the room, and going through my document as to whether you met spec, this one would have been a challenge to say you actually moved the ball from A to B just by glancing off the off the barrier. Yeah, ex exactly. I think I think it was that diagonal barrier. Yeah, he's a castle bro. Um, I love classic castles, so you know, for me, I think this is well executed. Great color, uh, good layout, and then. Unfortunately, a slight ding on maybe um, the cloud, cloudy judgment of the way your brain is fogged out at this point from exhaustion, just missing that that active A to B position on, you know, motorization or movement. Yeah, I mean, I think some of the other teams that had a passive, you know, you know, action like that also had some sort of an active one. So I think of like the S curve, mm -hmm. like that's sort of mm -hmm. like what this, you know, bouncing off the wall is, is kind of like the S curve. But once you got it up to the ramp, it naturally rolled down the I-beams, it dumped out of the dump truck. Like, so there was a couple well, elements. Yes, yeah, but that, exactly. Yeah. So there's always one active element, at least one. So like the dump truck was an active going from rest, tipping and pushing the ball to a different location, right? So there was mm -hmm. always at least one, one active element that moved the ball from either a sitting or starting position of A to B very clearly. Um, whereas this is the, this is one of them where I was kind of like, uh, yeah, Jamie called it as, yeah, it emotionally moves you forward, but maybe maybe he was playing along and, and wasn't going for like DQ, which would have been like, we talk about that, a DQ is the, is like the worst of the worst, right? Not meeting the sure. criteria and somehow falling out um, just, just because you were 
you know, tired that day or, or didn't quite memorize an explicit, simple word uh, of, of meaning in it. But, you know, as far as intent, really well done. Good job, guys. Yeah, totally. And just a really clean design. You know, my, my only slight takeaway was that the castles, got, I think, uh, were also all like hugging a wall, which I sort of feel like left the center of the field a little open, which maybe made it look a little bit sparse. But because they had so many castle elements, I, I sort of feel like that made up for it. The moat was really nice as kind of a, a barrier and sort of to focus the, the user to hit the ball across the drawbridge, drawbridge. But yeah, really great job from them. And yeah, I mean, we, we already talked about the judges feedback. So yeah, this was a really fun one. Um, just solid and clean again from Steven and Steven. Our next one, though, is Austin and Justin. Their build was called Piece of Cake. And as the story goes here with this one, you have the opportunity to hit a hole in one, which is was a unique takeaway. But hopefully you don't spill your milk because we put all of our eggs in the basket on this one. Um, and the goal is to put it up the ramp into the mixer. If you do that successfully, the ball should run and, and should fall down this ramp. And if it goes underneath the stove into the hole, a sensor will reveal your surprise. And when Will played the hole, he hits it up the ramp into the mixer and it falls right. Uh, it falls right down, you know, after that. And I was one thing I was surprised. This is not the only team that did it. I think maybe even Greg and uh, or uh, uh, Brendan Greg did, but they had ramps that had studded surfaces. Um, like Dom and Ethan, they had a tiled surface on their ramp. And I sort of felt like this could have been like these teams with studded ramps. I feel like you got to be careful there. I was very nervous, but it, it went off without a hitch. It goes, it falls down out of the mixer, kind of in a little hole. It runs towards the oven, clears that little hole in the oven, lands right into the hole, a hole in one. The oven door falls down and there's a pink cake with the name on it that says Will. And it was a hole in one. It was Will's ultimate performance here on hole six. Uh, but Will, what did you think about the ultimate performance from uh, Austin and Justin? I think you asked Will. Yeah, you oh asked Will. God. He's I, not I, here. I don't know what he thinks. I think he liked it a lot. Will, uh, no, uh, Will, are you there? Are you there, Will? Oh, oh darn. Uh, sorry. Uh, uh, Michael, I really, I really, I really enjoyed playing that uh, hole. It's really good. Hole in one is all good. He'll be on next week, right? <laughs> the, the kick had Will on it. I had Will on my mind, uh, but Modo. Okay, what did oh, you think okay. of this? Uh, you know, as far as leaning out to the most bizarre and far out storytelling, <laughs> I never would have put kitchen and baking together with miniature golf. It's just so far out. And <clears throat> the risk there is it could be, it could have been too far out to not work. That's the risk. Um, but as we've talked about before, I think uh, great color, but very, very, once again, reduced, reduced to a comic strip produced in yeah. 3D. Um very simple, no color mixing. You know, if they make an oven, it's just solid medium azure, top to bottom. You don't have to think a lot. It's simple geometry. It's all squares. You just do a little bit of brick sculpting for, um, you know, the circular shapes. And yeah, you put put it all together and um, really think diligently about lining up every little angle so that when that ball goes in that mixer, it's always going to land in a hole in one. Um, what was great about this is the thought behind the mixer, because if you think about golf, it's about putting that golf ball into the hole, right? Well, the mixer is like a target, like the hole, only it's it's like four or five or six times more surface area or area <laughs> to get into with that big ramp. And then it's just a funnel. Um, so that is a bit of, you know, strategic strategery thinking, um, some Dave Coletta level thinking that I would have never come to where it's, 
you give someone a big target, um, you give them, uh, you know, not a steep ramp, and you give them a straight shot into that ramp right from the tee to make the success probability go way up. And it could have gone a lot differently because this is another one of those holes that was L-shaped. They had to yeah. make the curve, um, but reduce it down to an exact science like that by putting it through, you know, basically that funnel right into the, 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 the thing every time. And then also the surprise. You know, they're one of the, uh, another one of the few teams that had an, a legitimate surprise in there um, that got triggered. And of course, playing into the ego of the golfers, never a bad thing. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I think they just really thought this through and had the brilliance um, to come up with the concept that it was all going to work together. And then from there, it was just about execution and the colors. Yeah. Well, they made a really exciting hole, but I think to your point, they didn't make it too hard. You know, that the ramp, like I said, with Brendan and Greg, it was studded. That made me nervous. It was steep. That made me nervous. And it was also so narrow, which really meant that you had to hit it so hard and incredibly dead on from an angle standpoint just to get it up that hill. Um, whereas this one had a nice wide, you know, almost like it was wider at the bottom. It was like very tapered towards that bowl. So it was sort of like, even if you hit it a little wildly, you'd probably end up in the bowl. Um, so I think like to your point, like helping the user in that regard made this one very playable, uh, which is yeah, very once fun. Again, but... Once again, simple motion. So a mixer just spins and it doesn't really, enter, it doesn't like, it's not even pushing the ball. It's like gravity's doing the work, but technically it touched the ball. So I guess, you know, check mark in the technical <laughs> column, you touched the ball and it went from one place to the other. But really the, the motor could have failed. The whole darn brisk could have busted off and it still would have worked. It's just yeah. like, uh, you know, these guys are very, very astute and clever and letting the door fall open um, with the hinge at the bottom, you know, that's mostly just initiating and then probably the gravity and the weight of the door does the rest just to get it open. So um, yeah, uh, very, very simple mechanisms as well that really lent itself into what they were doing. So so whether it was genius by accident, genius by intent, it's just a, a brilliant, wacky uh, confluence of all these different factors that I think made them successful. For sure. Caleb, you know, what was your takeaway from Austin and Justin's build? It's been fun to watch these two grow. I think we've seen the most development from them. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you told me episode one, they'd still be around. Uh, I wouldn't believe you. And if you told me they'd be doing as well as they are, I definitely wouldn't have believed you. Um, but what they've done here is very impressive. I think especially from a storytelling perspective, that is definitely the most overlooked thing in all of Lego Masters because it's the hardest thing to nail. Uh, but this is something that you get as soon as you play the course. Like, oh, we just made a cake and we went through that process. And I think that is actually very, very impressive uh, what they've, they've managed to pull off here. Uh, it, it's universal. Everybody's going to know what's going on here. They don't need to tell you anything. And, and the surprise is delightful. Um, yeah, I, this is this was a really well done build. I was very impressed. Yes. Well, and to your point, like, I think that the, when the story works best on this show, it's when all the elements feel cohesive and they feel really natural. And, you know, there were so many elements that they built. I mean, like the volume of work was actually quite exceptional from this team. And they had a lot of different build elements that didn't even Fun, you know, weren't part of that function that Moto took us through. You know, they had, uh, you know, just to the left of the mixer was a bowl full of eggs. On, you know, on the right, there was a knocked over carton of milk, which was well rendered. And the spilled milk sort of acted as the barrier to keep the user in a certain part of the play field. That's like I said, that's a natural integration. It wasn't a wall. You know, it, it functioned as a wall, but it wasn't a wall. And, you know, the whole thing, 
in the back left, there was the, the purple mixing bowl with the pink frosting, which was all this like nice loose brick. So they didn't have to come up with a complicated build, but it was really effective. And they had these little rubber spatulas, you know, kind of with the wooden handles uh, with some frosting on it. And we even saw more of those by the oven to direct the ball again. So it was, it was they didn't build walls. They built out the world and it created walls. And it's, it's one of those things where like, I feel like that's what made the team successful at the camp challenge, where it was sort of like that their theme tied into the camp naturally versus kind of, at, you know, a little unnaturally where it just so happened to be at the camp. I think like this is one of those builds where, like you were saying, Caleb, like if you overlooked some of those elements because they weren't part of the main function, you actually wouldn't even be able to appreciate just how much they did in this one, which was just shocking, honestly. And I loved the will cake. It had like a little like um like dark pink, um you know, like zigzagged frosting border, you know, kind of like how you'd pipe it. And then it had the name, you know, and there's just like, it was just so clean. It was so, so clean. And I really, really loved it. Amy said, you can see how well planned and how playable this course was by the fact that you really had everything lined up to get it straight in the oven if you hit it just right. And Jamie said, and for someone who likes to get a hole in one, that was very satisfying. And I'm, I always relate to Jamie for a lot of reasons, but like I'm very competitive at things I probably shouldn't be competitive, competitive with. And I'm always looking at the hole to see what the intended hole in one path is. I'm always looking for that. Um, and so I, I sort of, that really resonated with me. Um, Jamie and I, we are simpatico in that way. This may be the only belt so far that used a tumble and they didn't get criticized for using a tumble by the judges for that frosting. <clears throat> oh, gotcha. Like a, like a non-locked-in right? component? Yeah, where you just do a tumble, right? And usually people are doing tumble for water, and then they get criticized for the judges. Like, oh, you just did a lazy tumble. You didn't finish it off. These guys managed to get a tumble right by the judges and not get criticized for it. <laughs> so well, that was well one done. little one little thing I wanted to, to just slide in there that people should, should smile or think about. I love it. Well, like I said, normally a golf course would have 18 holes, but we've got to move on to our last one, which is the seventh hole with Nick and Stacy, our game of cat and mouse. Um, and <laughs> I, I was like sick to my stomach waiting for this team to finally present. Uh, but let's talk about their par two. Uh, Stacy says, first off, I'd like you to meet Terry the mouse. You have to help guide him through all of the, this cat craziness so he can get home and they have to, the main build's function is to sneak through the walls of the house where all the cats are hanging out. Your goal is to hit it into the mouse hole at the bottom and you're going to climb your way up, roll down the pegboard inside the walls, and then you'll go out of one of three holes, which are random. So you'll have to hope you get a good one. And, you know, this was, an, again, uh, from an editing standpoint, we get a segment in the middle of the judging where Amy, before Will plays, <sighs> says, there was a point in this challenge where both Jamie and I were worried for you. And Will asks, did you get a chance to test it? And Nick says, not as much as we would have liked to. <laughs> and they go on to explain that some pieces could have gotten lo loose. Will says, so there's a chance that the pieces could impede. And Will and Nick interrupts him. Yeah, there is a chance. And so th they basically said, uh, if this doesn't work, we're out of the competition. And then Nick says, we're going to go home for this mistake. <sighs> I... Caleb, where were you in this moment? I feel like we've been watching this slow moving train wreck of Nick and Stacy the entire episode. Were you, was your stomach in knots like me? Oh, the drama was through the roof. Um, yeah, from the beginning of the episode, uh, when the judges come around and say, oh, <laughs> are you sure you want to do all that? Are yep. you sure you can? And ever, like, they, they got their, their screen time in this round, uh, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, the way they were playing it up i thought there's no way this ball is getting through that wall it's gonna get stuck in the plinko it's gonna get halfway up the, the elevator 
it's not coming out the other side, no matter what it was. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen them play up drama like that, except maybe with the exception of the sunshine wagon, they played that up in a different way. Uh, yes. But yeah, it was definitely the Nick and Stacy episode. I know. I mean, to your point, they, 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 they told this story in three acts, you know, there was the, should they have built a wall at all to the, they move it. And now it's not fitting to the now, like, and even that whole segment before judging. And now we have to see Will play it. All right. So let's see how it played out. So Will's first shot, he hits the ball into the mouse hole. It gets scooped up and it pops out the top and moves down. Sorry, it pops at the top. And then the cat's paw propels it down a ramp towards the pegboard. It makes it down the pegboard and it pops out the back and there's not too much further to get to into the hole. And Will hits it on that second shot into the hole, a par two. And Will exclaims, you guys, it worked. Uh, but yes, this was a very satisfying. But Moda, did you think this was a satisfying build as it came together? What were your thoughts? Well, yeah, if it works. <laughs> so I mean, you know, this, this, because it was an elevator, I was just thinking Timbertown the whole time. Timbertown, Timbertown, yeah. Timbertown. Here we go. Another elevator, Timbertown. And you know, you know what happened? It worked over and over and over again successfully for Mark and Boone. And then when the final, uh, you know, the final effect had to, had to play out in front of the judges, it didn't. It something tripped, something locked. Um, so yeah, I think that the show really leaned into educating the audience as well as creating suspense of, of how, you know, we as Lego builders understand that this is definitely a high risk proposition. Um, but to take them and, and have the exposition, I think increases the tension we all felt, as well as it was probably the most tense moment among, you know, all those side cuts of all the other teams. I mean, there are people crossing their fingers and holding their breasts and, <laughs> and just, I mean, every cast member there was probably just hoping this thing would work along with them so ultimately it did um so congratulations guys you got an, S an elevator element to to work on lego masters that's that's no mean feat <clears throat> and then once once it's at the top i mean it's pretty much going to work it's gonna i thought it was highly going to be highly successful because it's a pegboard is not too difficult letting gravity roll it down is not too difficult um but man as long as it didn't jam going up i thought they were they were safe. And I was really uh, thankful that it, that it happened. Yes. Oh, my gosh. This was, uh, you know, like I said, I was like literally sick to my stomach the entire episode because I sort of like I said, it was a slow moving train wreck. Um, but the build, you know, came together in the end. Caleb, what what, what did you think? Uh, I was very happy. I think as along with everybody else in the room uh, that it worked, it, it was cool to see. You can tell it there's camaraderie here. Um, people were so relieved and excited when the ball popped out on the other side. And that's really nice to see. And that's what I love about Lego Masters. That's what a lot of people love about Lego Masters, that it's never cutthroat. It doesn't feel cutthroat. Sure. Uh, it's it, it's good to see that. And you want to you want to see your fellow castmates succeed, um, even if you are still playing to win. Um, is, is, is great as that successful as we obviously have to talk about uh, the build, yeah. uh, mm. because uh, I, I love the cheese things they cheese blocks they plop down right away those look fantastic great use of that cartoony nature of mini golf uh, and then they gave us a big blue blob unfortunately and obviously it is a matter of time i know these two can build better than that uh but this is where they saw nine hours and they thought like wow that's like a whole day right but that it's not it's it's <laughs> you're gonna burn through that time real fast especially like when they wanted to make a pretty complex motion uh for this um and obviously they put a lot of time uh, into those functions because they did work really well. Uh, but 
unfortunately the wall it doesn't it it doesn't scream anything to me um even the cats unfortunately were very rushed they're very two-dimensional and they're they're fine they have character and stuff but they are not a lego master level of character not something you want to see on the show when i i would expect something more like the squirrels that Liam and Emily gave, you know, these very fleshed out three-dimensional characters that were still sure. large. That's what I would have loved to have seen from these two. But of course, I, I don't know when Nick started those, maybe 10 minutes to go. That's what the edit made it seem like. I, and know, I'm I, think, guessing. I think 30 minutes left, I think is when they started mm-hmm. asking, did we, did we not measure it correctly? So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. It's insane. Oh, that's another point too. I know we already talked about it, but uh, ha- having being able to ask another team for help—that's so that's so cool. And that uh, yeah. you know, Greg drops everything and comes over and helps them, and that's that's fantastic. Um, but yeah, ultimately, uh, again, you always admire the ambition, but you got to be realistic too. And they just lost sight of that one, and unfortunately, produced a build that was—I know that they're not proud of them. That's uh, hard. That's hard to see. And they, Nick was very clearly beat up about it, saying, like, we're going home. Like, he he was certain. Um, yeah. It's sad. It's heartbreaking, like you had said. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, and, and, and you saw some of the corners they had to cut, to your point. Some of the walls had, like, kind of more exposed, like, holes in them, um, you know, because they were staggering the bricks to save time. The actual wall itself didn't span the full or sorry, it spanned the full, you know, distance at the bottom, but there was a sort of a chunk cut out on the left-hand side that I I have to imagine was a time thing. They were like, well, to build this whole thing out of brick, we can't do. So let's just build the section that sort of needs to be as high as it does as a, as a mechanism to save time. But one of the smart things they did, just going back to one of your earlier comments, Caleb, was that they showed you the sections that would have been hidden by the wall. So the elevator section had clear windows, the pegboard mm-hmm. section had clear windows, versus Dom and Ethan, we were talking about that drop, you know, we didn't get to see. Um, and it would have been entertaining to get to see that. So some mm-hmm. smart choices there, some little fun elements. Like I said, the cat was the, you know, the cat's paw was what pushed it forward versus just like a technic hook or, you know, or something more generic. Um, and the cats, you know, they did look very cute for being as simple as they were, to your point, sort of reminded me of uh, Unikitty from the Lego movie in Lego movie too. But, um, you know, so, th- so I, as a big fan of those movies, I, I thought, oh, these are like Unikitty's friends. Um, I really enjoyed that. But yeah, they, like we said, this wasn't the polished build that they knew they were capable of. And we saw similar feedback, you know, from the judges. It's one of those things where, you know, like I said, a nine hours, it's just one of those things, you know, Amy said, I really love the storytelling. It is a, it really is a testament to you guys' imagination. There was certainly a point where I thought there was no way this is going to get finished. There's no chance they put it in place and all those mechanisms are going to work. But uh, there's a few little rough around the edges visually, bits visually. All of these show up where you ran out of time. Um, and Will said, great uh, job to you guys for not giving up because we definitely know that that happens and it's really tough. Um, but after all this, we get another cutaway to Stacy where she says, but at this point, I think we're still going home. Well, you know, I could, I could feel them because if you look at the blue cat, they didn't even have time to finish the uh, eyeballs. It looks like yeah. its eyes are closed because it's missing the, or, you know, it's a different color. So maybe they, they didn't, but it should have been the white with the black pupils, right? It doesn't look like it's awake. It looks like it's sleep, uh, sleeping. Sure. Um, I mean, that shows you like literally they were down to the last few minutes uh, getting the stuff down. Um, and I've been there. I've been there where, you know, got our piece into the gallery, which was required with what, Caleb, three seconds left, two seconds. Uh, that's generous. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was, it was brutal. So it's brutal when you have those, you have these tight, uh, margins and you know that you're not putting something in that's that's 
that, that really represents what you wanted. Yeah. Uh, well, we have to go, of course, to the results of the challenge. Mm-hmm. As always, there's a top two and a bottom two. And the top two that stood out were Dave and Emily and Austin and Justin. Amy said uh, uh, to Dave and Emily, you gave us a hole that was so much fun to play. And it was clear you planned everything perfectly. And Austin and Justin, Jamie said, you really took us on a journey landing in that oven. And it really was a wow at the end that impressed us. And the winner this time was Austin and Justin. And we see them win their Lego Mini Masters jacket, which is a purple jacket made for two. Um, They each, you know, Amy says it's a team jacket, one arm each. So they literally each have one arm and they're both like kind of squished into the jacket, sort of like a Three Stooges-y kind of a thing, I have to imagine. Um, But it was a very exciting win for this team. And like you said, Caleb, they came so far. So what was your takeaway seeing Austin and Justin clinch this one. Really good for them. That That is fantastic. You love to see that arc, that growth over the course of the season. And like they they might be unstoppable now. You never know um, because th- they've got that energy now. And they've just been getting better every every episode. And also, I, when they originally announced that they were going to be giving away this jacket, I was like, why didn't why didn't they show it? And now I know why, because they wanted this really <laughs> goofy reveal. Uh, that was that was quite delightful. And I do genuinely hope they got to bring that home because there's there's not many things like that in this world. Uh, that's I very know. Neat. You have to imagine the producers had a conversation that were like, um, like, oh, we should we should do a jacket like at the Masters. And then they're like, well, there aren't two jackets. <gasps> oh, I know. <gasps> we'll put them both in one. You know, like I have to imagine it was a production meeting. <laughs> uh, but Modo, what was what was your takeaway seeing Austin and Justin win? You know, part of me wonders maybe going back to what you said earlier, if Steven and Steven were kept out of the top two because of that, you know, one, you know, course traversal mechanism. But I'm curious to get your thoughts on how this competition turned out, this challenge. Oh, uh, man, you know, this is where I'm not uh, envious of the judges. I mean, for me, the top two are clearly, for me, the the, the the two most representative, you know, that met all the criteria, checked all the boxes, looked great, you know, but the margins, I don't, I don't know how Amy and Jamie <laughs> were able to separate the two. Somehow they did. Sure. They, they found a way to get there. Maybe it was, you know, the hole-in-one versus the almost hole-in-one. Uh, I don't know. This is where I trust them implicitly with their vast Lego knowledge to figure out, you know, which one's going to be the winner. Um, so congratulations to both, but also congratulations to the winner. Um, you know, this late at this late stage in the game, and you can tell from my commentary, is we are starting to get down to where you're going to pick apart the, the smallest of details to try to find sure. faults between the bottoms and the tops. And um, so, yeah, just congratulations. Good job. Uh, you outthought it, outsmarted, outplanted, outbuilt it. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, outwit, outplay, outlast is the slogan for Survivor. But I think Moto came up with the slogan for Lego Masters. But oh, no, yes. no. In Survivor, <laughs> you another team to help you with your, uh, your current your current an exercise that would not happen <laughs> it, it does happen even this season oh, does it? in this season when there was a, a team challenge wh- one of the teams finished early and they helped another team by like shouting out what the answers to the puzzle would be so yes oh, okay. we, we do see okay. that maybe sometimes. maybe lego masters is finally influencing other shows like survivor to, to play better in the <laughs> well world. i think after 43 seasons i have to imagine survivors influence <laughs> more other shows <laughs> but yes well, when there's a top two, sadly, there's a bottom two. And oh, yes. And this show, you know, this episode was building up to a very obvious conclusion. Uh, our bottom two was Nick and Stacy and Ethan and Dom. Uh, for Nick and Stacy, Amy said, I loved your creativity and, the, and that idea and the story you were trying to tell with your build. But your build lacked the polish that we know you can achieve. And for Ethan and Dom, Jamie said, 
You took a chance and tried something new with your power functions. They actually worked pretty well. The challenge was after the power functions. When you had that final hole, it let us down. And that's a critical moment to fail that really stopped the play. And in a surprise that I could have never believed, the person who was the unfortunate team to have to leave us this round was Ethan and Dom and not mm-hmm. Nick and Stacy. And I... I, I was like jaw on the floor. I, I, I oh, that couldn't con- believe you, it. You were genuinely surprised? I, I honestly was. I, I think the oh, only okay. thing that was missing for me with Nick and Stacy was some package about like their family or a tragic past or something. Like if they had gotten that segment with family photos and that, then I would have known they were going home. But <laughs> I just sort of feel like, I mean, to your point, like it was only, it was only when, uh, I, I, sorry, I shouldn't say at this point I was surprised, but it was only when their build actually worked that I thought, oh my God, they might be safe. You know, mm-hmm. but, uh, but up until then, I was, I was definitely surprised. But to your point, here, I, I thought you know, it could go either way, honestly, because you know, it's so tough when, it, like you said, when you're picking apart the bottom two. You know, in, in both of these instances, technically the power functions worked. You know? and, you know, and oftentimes like when I think back to like, um, the Derby challenge, you know, the bottom two is sort of like, you know, the bottom two performers will be in the bottom and then it'll go to aesthetics or, you know, and maybe that wasn't the Derby challenge, but other challenges, it's been like that. And so I thought to myself, well, Ethan and Dom might've had the edge on aesthetics because, you know, the theming was really strong Mm, and the build was complete. mm, Yeah. You know, so I I, I was very confused as to like, which, what was going to be the difference maker for them uh, in terms of who went home? Um, You know, and so I guess, Moto, I'm curious, like, what do you think was the difference maker, you know, for for why it was Ethan and Dom over Nick and Stacy. Uh, I don't know why, but I had this feeling that maybe there was a component where you had to have barriers, you know, a, a certain component of of blockage or barriers to prevent the ball from, you know, keeping the ball like a true mini golf course. It has to follow the prescribed path of the challenge. Um, so, so I think with Ethan and Dom, I, I always looked at it as like you have your two components there, but you know there wasn't like that cheese wedges. The barriers weren't there. Um, the three, you know, where, whereas Nick and Stacy, they had the three cheese components as least as barrier components um, yeah. that might have been this implicit or unimplicit, you know, requirement to make it more um, like a course. I think both of them had the, you know, the complex motion. I think you're right. Ethan and Dom had a more finished model, but then, you know, when Caleb pointed out that it just went down a shoot and you couldn't see the outcome of that, whereas, you know, Stacy and Nick mechanism was visible, but also um, they only had one large showpiece, which led to the conclusion of the the whole being completed once it left the the large building. Um, So with that little bit of stuff commentary from the judges about oh you didn't have this big finale element um you know you kind of get really fine-grained into it but i i just had the feeling that that ethan and dom were was the build that that if i had to pick between them based on all the you know those lengthy nine thousand different things you had to do in your mental checklist <laughs> kind of thing that they you know that 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 it was it was less covered here than than the the, the official checklist from, yeah. from nick and stacy I know for me, I think maybe the difference maker was the playability and, and the whole goal was for Uh, this to be fun to Mm -hmm. play. And I think like that, that stop at the end of the, of the hole may have been a, like a more egregious, you know, uh, column in the negative, you know, uh, mark in the negative column, then the wall wasn't super finished because everything else about Nick and Stacy's, you know, build sort of worked quite well. Well, well, Um, it worked all the way though. They also had the gym breakage, right? They did have a, they had a component that broke, uh, in the model, unfortunately it stopped the play. So 
I mean, we have to, you, you really do get fine green and, 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 you know, you have to be like the judges and really spend a lot of time thinking through this. I mean, we're trying to recap this, but you can't imagine that the judges do take a considerable amount of time when they think through this stuff and do the judging. Sure. Um, so apart from five minutes in discussion, you know, they, they spend a, they can spend a significant amount of time and this one. I don't, you know, I wasn't there, but I have to think that they did, they did have to sit and, and spend a significant amount of time at the top and the bottom to come to these conclusions. For sure. Well, sadly, we have to say goodbye to Ethan yeah. and Dom. You know, Amy went on to say, I think you're two incredible builders and you inspire me so much with your energy and passion you bring into everything you build. When I see you build so excitedly across the room, I want to get in there and build with you because you just look like you're having so much fun. And, you know, Caleb, what was your takeaway about Ethan and Dom as a team? It was it was fun to have them. It was the the twist that nobody expected. Um, but I think they they did bring some some life and some friendly banter to the show. They're great guys. Um, for sure. Um, and definitely not deserving of all the internet hate they've received for their participation in the show. They did, they did great work. Um, and it's, it's sad to see them go. Um, but I think as two very young individuals, like this is only a springboard for even better things for them. They, they're going to be fine. Um, but you can tell that they, they do care about their castmates too. Dom was, uh, breaking up at the end, which was, which is, it's always hard to see. Um, but as I know uh, from interacting with people like Moto here, uh, I, I've made a lifelong friend in you. I hope, and uh, I can say, hope, I, hopefully, I can oh, say that know, for the rest of my. You know, it, bro. You know, it, bro. If you ever want to collab at some point, you just throw me. Unless it's Minecraft, I can't do Minecraft, man. I just can't oh, I'll it, have but. to teach you. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, yeah, the cast is always very close. Um, yeah, yeah, and like you know, my. My perspective on it is I knew these guys because I was on TikTok and following them for about a year before they made the show. Um, so, you know, they are they are excellent builders. Um, they're a great part of the community. I, I think that people dismiss TikTok as a component of the community when they shouldn't. You know, the community is 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 broad and diverse. And I, I would welcome, you know, all these younger TikTok or even like me, you know, a nearly 50-year-old guy doing TikTok, as long as it gets us into this craft and this hobby that we love, to me, the platform is second to to all the other things that we have as AFOLs. And um, it's sad. It's sad to see people that I've seen grow over a year before making the show, um, you know, have to leave um, yeah. and get knocked out. But but this is this is this is the way competitive reality TV works is, you know, the, the crowd doesn't get bigger. It does get smaller. Yeah, I know it's, it's, it's really harsh to, you know, like I, I always say every week to let another team go. And, and as the weeks go on, these are teams that we've only gotten to know more and more and more. And Ethan Dom, you know, while their time on the show, you know, might have been, you know, a little bit shorter than, you know, it could have been if they had been there on episode one, they had such an impact, you know, they were in the top two, they won the last challenge, you know, obviously, like Caleb said, there's such personalities, like they definitely uh, like earned their spot on the show in more ways than one. And to hear to your point, Caleb, that there's any negative feedback against them, I will say this. It was not their idea to come in at the end of episode three. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, so if there's anyone to point your feedback towards, it's obviously the show. And obviously the show is just trying to make it a fun show so that there could be a season four, you know? So it's it's one of those tough things where everyone I really believe very wholesomely is trying to do the best they can to put together a great product here. And so listen, maybe this internet backlash means they won't do this again, you know, but it, but it's certainly not uh, oh, Ethan I, and Dom's fault. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not their fault, but also they got to have 14 team or sorry, an additional team, right? Sure. So even more uh, U.S. Lego masters out there to, to go through the experience. And 
Um, you know, I was I was telling, I don't know if I told Caleb this, but I told a number of folks, I was making a joke very early in the production that, you know, here, here we are in season two, there's 12 teams. Unlike the, the, you know, there was less teams in season one, but I said, we're the dirty dozen. Have you ever watched that movie? And someone said, I think I remember that movie. I said, how many, how many people are alive at the end? Exactly three. <laughs> so, so uh, if you ever watch the Dirty Dozen season two, or, you know, this season is a lot like it. You're only going to be three people surviving at the end. It's going to be heartbreaking to watch these characters in the movie get, you know, sacrifice themselves to, to accomplish the mission. But that is the mission. Um, you know, that is a known quantity, but it doesn't make it any better or make you feel, it makes you feel sad every time, you know, another character has to make a sacrifice for the, for the, to, to accomplish the mission at hand. Yeah. But, but the nice thing is, is that it, it sounds like they had a great experience. Oh, they, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. made, they met that Lego masters family, you know, that Ethan mentioned in the show. And I know Moto you, and Caleb, you feel so passionately about it. And so it's one of those things where, you know, most teams, you know, you know, most people don't even get to have this chance. And I really feel like they made the most of it. They had a ton of fun. They brought a great energy to the show. And it was said many times, but they're not walking away empty-handed. They're leaving with 90,000 bricks, um, which I still feel where like do I I get that, how deal? that works. Yeah, where yeah, do I right? get that deal, dude? I want, I wanted that. Exactly. You know, like, you know, I, I think <laughs> if, if, if every team could have walked away with that, they would have been, been quite happy. Because like you said, Moto, fortunately, only, you know, one team can win. But, you know, it'd be nice to walk away with anything. But so we say goodbye to Ethan and Dom, but we look towards the next episode. And we've got a lot coming next week. Um, if you haven't looked at your TV guide, because uh, why would you? But if you haven't looked at your, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever to figure out what the schedule is for next week. There's two episodes next week. So there's one on Wednesday and one on Thanksgiving Day on Thursday, but we only got the preview for Wednesday's episode. And this was uh, a, a, a castle themed challenge. Will says, You're building your very own sky high castles that can withstand whatever we throw at it. And we see a large brick built wrecking ball just come in and destroy the castles. Um, and there's a unique component here, which Jamie says, the tallest castle will be safe from elimination. And so I have to start with our castle bro, Caleb. You participated in episode 10, your season, the cliffhanger challenge, which is a castle themed episode, which also had like a, like a technical component that could advance you to the next round. So talk us through, first of all, what do you think of the challenge? And looking back at your castle challenge, should you go for this advantage to automatically advance? Yeah, wow. This is like uncannily similar. Did that episode do really well last year? Or I'm not sure <laughs> what the deal is. Uh, it, had, but... it had a great winner. It had a really great winner of that episode. Oh, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that was I, for uh, for obvious reasons. Maybe I'm too biased to say this, but it was my favorite episode, you know, favorite challenge of the, the season. Um, and who doesn't love building castles? Uh, yeah. The castle is so universal within Lego. Uh, I mean, everybody's built a castle at some point, I feel. Um, Most teams so, have built a castle this season. Yeah. You know, between and the treehouse challenge, you know, that's like three right. teams built castles. Steven yeah. and Steven built a castle in this challenge. So, yeah. People are dying to build castles. So, you might as well force them to build a castle. Uh, <laughs> it should go over pretty well. So, yeah, the height aspect is very interesting to me. So, this has elements of the make and shake challenge from season sure. two. We had to hit a certain height requirement. Um, I can see a lot of small rules coming into place here. I'm sure there's a width requirement for this too. Mm -hmm. So it might be one of those eight-hour challenges that comes down to your bricks per minute sort of deal. Um, because I, I saw the previews. Uh, we're not looking at the most beautiful castles ever. I saw a lot of rectangular ones. Um, yep. So I'm very, this feels like a speed challenge more than anything else. I think we're going to see a very low time 
to complete these builds. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And and we do see that a couple teams at least seem to be going for it. We see Dave and Emily, you know, saying Dave says, I don't think anyone's gotten close to them. And, you know, Nick looks up and says, I don't think we're far off, you know, so we definitely know some people are going for this advantage. Moto, you know, we, we know that you're a, an, an expert at engineering, you know, how would you approach this challenge if you were going to try to get the height? You know, like what what makes a good tower that can come up quickly and and hit you that height requirement? So I, I think Caleb's got it. I think we're going to have to wait to see what the constraints are. There's going to be some constraints in there and it's going to limit my ability to answer that. Um, you know, this, this by the way, was done in Australia as, a, as an advantage challenge, but it wasn't done as a castle. So they just had to build up to the ceiling and whoever built the highest standing structure um, was basically given the advantage. And, you know, I think at that point it was stick man was walking around with this gigantic stick. And the only thing was they were limited to very basic brick. They couldn't use uh-huh. technique. They couldn't use this thing. They it was all like two by fours and two by sixes, maybe some two by eights. But um, so, so that's where like Caleb, I'm, I'm very suspicious as to what the width um, constraints are going to be, as well as as kind of um, thinking through, like, are they going to allow you to stack the bricks sideways with the studs facing out intentionally so that I can take a bunch of two by 16s and immediately get a 16 height? just with one yeah. brick st- stuck on its side. So there's a lot of tricks. Like if you're good at snot math, if you start the thing off with a good snot side built structure and just decide to build sideways for the rest of it, you can stack a bunch of like, like what, six by 16 plates. That will give you a 16 stud height with one plate. And it's really lightweight. So you can cheat yeah. and game the system that way. Um, but eventually it's going to come down to the fact that you have to build a second structure um, because you're probably not going to be allowed to use a ladder or a step stool or maybe even mm. your chair you're going to have to basically build your second story and then lift it as a team and set it on top of your first story to start getting multiple heights or maybe even a third story on top of the second and stacked on the third so it's going to be this real balancing act um which i think would be great right it's a balancing act of hijinks um, to get to the highest structure tell you uh they brought out they brought out mini ladders for us on the hanging brick challenge i believe no no in australia they they australia they didn't though it took no. They said you cannot use a stepping stone. You cannot use a ladder. It's almost like we planned for this, and he was mm. like really leaning to the fact that they made okay. it so that people had to start doing multi-story That's balancing. That's true. So you stacking. don't just get people reaching up into the the light fixtures above because yeah, you can yeah, go yeah. pretty so high. It was a logistics type challenge. So that's why I'm really interested to see the criteria because I think that will drive more of that drama that we love to see where there's limitations that are going to make this more difficult in order you have to think strategically about, you know, not just getting height through the cheats I just mentioned, but you also have to think about balance and weight and being able to lift something up and then set it on top of another thing without it toppling over. And, and so that makes for a more dynamic, competitive kind of thoughtful way that you have to think through the challenge and outthink it again. Once again, outsmart, outsmart the yeah. challenge first with your planning and then and then execute well. It's, and and probably once again, fingers on fire. I think Caleb's, you know, got oh, this yeah. right where there's not going to be a lot of time. You have to put your fingers on fire. Yeah. Oh, my God. Sorry, well, that was a long, I can't that was wait. a long exposition for what was probably a simple preview. No. Oh, my God. Listen, that's our job is to make too big of a deal of the small things. That's that's. <laughs> That's why you anyway, that's what I'd be thinking masters. through. Yeah, that's what I'd be thinking through. Exactly. Well, I mean, listen, I think it seems like a dynamic challenge. You know, to your point, I'm curious about some of those requirements um, just for most people's context in the make and shake challenge, for instance, like you had to build full width up to like about halfway and then you could come in and taper, but only to a certain amount. So like there's a lot mm-hmm. of those secondary mm-hmm. requirements that I'm sure to your point, Moto and Caleb will come into play. But I'm very curious because, you know, we know the wrecking ball is, is going to come in 
And it reminds me a lot of the Space Smash challenge from season one where Will yeah. came in with the bat. And so I'm curious, like, are is there a component of this where the castles are actually supposed to withstand whatever they throw at it? Or is it more about the destruction, kind of like how there's just a superfluous destruction with the pirate ship challenge? I guess we'll have to see. Is it just about height? Is it also about strength? What about story? I will have to find out, uh, you know. Uh, I don't know. That's kind of what makes in. it fun, though, right? That's kind of what makes it fun. Oh, for sure. Oh, my gosh. I... Like I said, I'm hoping uh, I don't oh, I get I don't get too stuffed on Lego Masters with two episodes next week. Like I know I'm going to get stuffed on mashed potatoes and stuffing, uh, you know, at my Thanksgiving dinner. Um, but uh, but great stuff. I am so so thankful to our guests Caleb and Moto for joining us. We couldn't have had um, this masterful mini Masters breakdown without the two of you. And because you did such an unbelievable job, I'm sure everybody's going to want to keep in touch with you after the show. So Modo, if everybody wants to check out what you're up to when they're not listening to this podcast, where can they find you? Yeah, so I would say everybody get your start by going to Instagram and it's moto.lego. Um, from there, there's other places you can find me, but it branches off from there. That's just my profile is my portfolio. And um, yeah, once you start going into that Modo uh, wormhole, you, you can eventually <laughs> ship me a purple jacket and and I will accept it. <laughs> 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 yeah. So do, do we have a tailor that can fit three of us in a jacket? Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, but Caleb, uh, obviously everyone's going to want us to keep in touch with you as well. So what, where can they stay on top of what you're up to? I'm cheesy studios pretty much everywhere. And that's cheesy spelled wrong with an E before the Y. Perfect. Yes. He's got his Instagram, his great YouTube channel. So you won't want to miss out on any of that. Um, but thank you both so much. Honestly, it's an immense pleasure to get to do this and even just hang out with the two of you. So thank you as always for being generous with your time. Thank you, Michael. It's awesome. Oh, to you're be here. so welcome. It's always wonderful to be here. It was so much fun to break down this episode with Moto and Caleb. We really got into all the craziness that happened this week. And like I said, my stomach was in knots, but it felt so much better to talk it all out with some really great Lego Masters contestants. And I can't wait to bring you the exit interview where I'm going to get to sit down with Ethan and Dom this week. Plus, I may even have some other surprises packed into that one. So you won't want to miss it. And like I said, the schedule might be a little bit wonky next week with two episodes to break down, but I cannot wait to bring you everything that we have coming for both episodes next week. So be sure to subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on anything because we're really approaching the end game here, but there's still plenty of Lego masters to come. So if you want to follow along with the podcast, be sure to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to it now. And if you're listening on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review as it really helps others find the podcast. If you want even more Lego content, be sure to check out my YouTube channel, Talk Bricks, where I cover the Lego news for the week every Saturday. And you can follow the channel on all social media platforms with the username at TalkBricks. And if you want to follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook, it's TalkBricksMasters. And on Twitter, it's TBMasters. Thanks again, and I'll see you guys next time. 